Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to One Two Punch. Player one, Shaquille Madjoy. Player two, Steven Jensen. Fight talk, Fightful on the weekends. Nice to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Good to see you, too. As we were talking pre-show, just to, just for anyone watching, I'm feeling a little under the weather today, so if I seem a little out of it or something, I, I apologize. But I'm happy to be here today with you once again, Shaq, because I am pumped up for tomorrow night's UFC 262, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you about all this stuff. Do you have the puke bucket on hand? I do. I do. I legitimately do. I legitimately do. Through yeah, through. it it has been a uh, it's been a rough uh, a rough day, but uh, I am powering through. I did not want to miss this for anything, and um, I'm doing my best to make it out to a pro wrestling show tonight too. So I'm I'm trying to get all the rest that I can, but uh, but yeah. Anyways, that all aside. Thank you very much for having me on again today, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. It's great to have you here. Uh, For those of you who are perhaps unfamiliar with the program, we usually air exclusively on Fightful Select. That is our Patreon. But hey, once in a while, you got to do it the right way. Had a UFC 262, a special free edition. If you've hopped over the pond with Steven, let me give you a quick rundown. This is one-two punch. It's news talk on a win-lose-draw system. What that means is we're going to sign the week's biggest winners and losers before drawing up a preview for UFC 262 Oliveira versus Chandler. Let me hit that snazzy animated intro. Thanks to our animation team. And let me close the window because there's construction going on. <laughs> Steven, I'll leave this first question to you while I do that. Put the one shot on you here. Uh, how big of a star is Michael Chandler? Because I'm just amazed by how he's been able to run with the ball since getting here. Just everything from his presence to his, you know, on camera. I don't know what to call it. Just yeah, just his aura, his presence, it just screams main eventer. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, he comes in with that pedigree, being a multi-time Bellator champion. Um, I think a big part of what's helping his case um, with becoming, you know, somewhat more of a mainstream star now and, and getting this title shot in general, too, has a lot to do with people, ha- you know, so many people seeing him right before Connor and Dustin, their rematch. Like, when he knocked out Dan Hooker, like, everyone was watching that pay-per-view, so everybody saw it. Um, there's a lot of hype about that. Because I had even said leading into before like the fight got announced the way that I see it is I think that the two true number one contenders at lightweight are Oliveira and Poirier Mm -hmm. but Poirier is doing his own thing with Connor I respect it get the bag um but then I thought it should be Gaethje but because of the position that Chandler had put himself in I don't mind like I think it's good and, and he's getting a lot of buzz and a lot of traction a lot of fans so um, that's what I think it really is. Um, it's it's his Bellator pedigree and having that big knockout when the world was watching that Conor Poirier fight. Wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, I've talked to Chandler in the past, especially when he was Bellator, and it's like, that's just the way he is wired. That's the way he is built. And there was a quote, I think it was during the pre-fight press, which we're going to get into more as well, that he said something along the lines of, you know, uh, I don't know what kind of work his father did, but very, like, hands-on labor kind of guys. Like, you know, my dad... 40 years working with his hands, you know, nine to five, hard, nose to the dirt. And I think Chandler really adopts that mindset. You you know, he's been very much a yes man in the UFC since he's got here. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And he said it himself. He's like, he will accept whatever opportunities come his way. And just that metal, the fact that he doesn't feel like he needs to politic to be the best. I think that's something that gels very well with Dana White. and, And we see the fruits of his labor just immediately being reaped here so it's interesting i think you know i don't know which way this fight's gonna go but i think if you're the ufc you're hoping chandler wins because that guy's the total package yeah and i mean not to be like a xenophobe or whatever but like you know the ufc likes champions who speak english and so you know what i mean like really well and stuff i'm not saying that olivera does i mean olivera is great i honestly think he's going to win personally like i'm a big olivera fan um, but I, for whatever reason, I, you, cause we've seen people passed up in the past that like, didn't have maybe the best English or weren't American or whatever that case was. And so I, I'm kind of with you. I think the UFC would love Chandler to be kind of the face of the lightweight division going forward. But, um, man, I mean, cause even when Chandler came into the company, uh, he was the backup for Habib and, uh, was it Habib and Gaethje? He came yes. in and he was gonna like, so he was immediately put right into that spot, even if one of those guys dropped out. So, um so yeah I'm, I'm totally with you i think the ufc very much would like him to be their champion yeah big winner on that end and i think the way he's been positioned like even if he loses this this isn't one of those things anymore where it's like oh bellator guy came in and he couldn't cut it chandler is a ufc guy now and i think he is going to be until the end of his career so win lose or draw in this situation i think you can just about guarantee that chandler is not getting anyone outside of the top five in his next fight right It'll yeah be- yeah I'm, I'm with you all right, let's move on. And I think for me, this is another one of the big winners of the week, although some fans might not agree. But Anderson Silva, in an interview with ESPN, confirms that he's retired. He's calling it a career, uh, at least in MMA. He still wants to sort of apply his trade in jujitsu. He obviously has that um, big boxing super fight coming up, too. I'm happy. I think. Anderson Silva is good enough that if he had gone to like a one championship or a Ryzen, even in a Bellator, depending on the matchmaking, he could have still won fights. Like I was impressed with how well he hung in there against Uriah Hall. 
he hung in there with uh, Israel Adesanya and the Jared Cannonier loss. Um, you know, it, it was a legitimate win for Cannonier, but with that compromised leg, it just wasn't the sort of fight that told you what Silva could do against Cannonier. So he's on a three-fight losing streak. I think he could easily get back in there against the right opponent, like a Vitor Belfort, and get a win. But hey, if he's cool to retire, uh, I'm more than happy for him. I feel the same way. And like you just mentioned, he's going to go into boxing finally, which is something he's wanted to do for a long time. I mean, he was talking about wanting to fight Roy Jones Jr. for like what feels like forever at this point. So like, it's good to see that he's getting in the boxing ring. Um, And it's pretty wild. Like I actually had some people that aren't even big MMA fans uh, text me that day because they just saw headlines about Anderson Silva retires. They were like, oh man, Anderson Silva doesn't fight anymore. Like, damn, I remember when he was, you know, the best fighter back when I was, you know, I have a lot of fans. I have a lot of friends that don't really pay too close attention to UFC, but they know that I do. So when stuff like that happens, usually they'll, you know, they'll hit me up. And it seemed like a lot of people cared about, you know, knowing that Anderson had had hung it up. Um, I think it's a, it's a plus as well. Um, Good for him. Uh, he can do whatever he wants. And, I, and I'm totally with you. I think he can still compete at like a fairly high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he was to fight somebody like a Vitor Belfort, I think that'd be a great match. I mean, I don't, in one championship, it could be interesting because of all the, the stuff that you could take and then compete. But, but I mean, Anderson could have that advantage as well. I mean, you know what? Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I guess at the end of the day, I'd be fine with Anderson continuing to fight. Um, in MMA, but I am happy that he finally gets to try his hand in boxing. Wholeheartedly agreed. Um, and it's funny you mention it. I, I have sort of the same predicament. In fact, I've got some friends. I'm very excited for them. They'll be watching UFC 262 tonight. One is a is, is a casual fan. He'll reach out to me when there's big stuff happening. And he, he's in, in the know enough. Uh, whereas this other friend, he's only watched a couple fights. I'm very excited for him. At the same time, uh, I can very, as someone who's notoriously terrible at separating my work and ho- my work and home lives i am very happy to never talk about fighting when i am with my friends when i'm talking to other people um but you know i i welcome it i appreciate that people take an interest in what i do and want to talk about it so i'm not i try not to be a dick about it but i will say uh do you remember what you remember when all those bernie sanders memes were going around <laughs> uh-huh. right when he was in his like little coat that one of him arm barring Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz, <laughs> I think it was Nick. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people sent me that meme. That's so. Funny. And in my inbox was just blowing up, and I'm like, I didn't have the heart to be like, guys, I know. If you yeah. saw this, I promise you, I've seen this. I have that conversation on a daily basis with my friends, or because I appreciate like them having an interest. I know exactly what you're talking about, but it's like I'll get like a like a headline or a news story or something. Someone will text me, and I'll be like, "I yeah, I saw that like three days ago." But I really appreciate you showing me that. Like, but uh, but yeah, that's too funny. Those Bernie Sanders memes are all over the place. Um, <laughs> let's go to the live chat real quick, guys. Appreciate it since it's a special free show. We will hit you up, but if you're feeling extra de- generous, a super chat donation that goes a long way to helping us do what we do. Even just to subscribe, but no, give us money. Give us money. <laughs> um, Joseph Bose in the chat. Um, so I don't know if I agree with this point entirely, but I like the direction it's headed uh, regarding Dustin Poirier not fighting um, Chandler. Or Oliveira for the title. Uh, he's wondering if Dustin would have even taken a fight in Texas, considering how notoriously terrible those judges are. If you recall, they're the ones who gave John Jones the unanimous decision over Dominic Reyes. My question there, though, is I feel like this is a storyline that gets brought up every time we talk about Texas, but I haven't heard much about it this fight week. 
how ready are you for one of these judges to absolutely butcher absolutely butcher like the lightweight title fight that would be the worst especially because it's like habib was so dominant like you just want this like respectable like changing of the guard and um yeah i mean and it also depends on who, who the who the you know the assigned judges are and stuff and there's some names that are like notorious for for not you know kind of doing what the other judges judges do and stuff so like I don't know, man. But but I, what I do know is like the city of Houston, Texas, they seem to be very um, excited for this. Like I have a good friend who just uh, I think it was yesterday. He went to Twin Peaks to meet Daniel Cormier, then went then drove over to Hooters to meet Dana White. So it's like the town is like oh. the city's really happy that this is happening. But as far as like the judges, wouldn't that just be some that would just be some crap, wouldn't it? If like you, we get this like great fight and then like two of the judges go one way and the other judge is just completely completely the other way or something although i have a hunch that we're not going to see Oliveira chandler go five rounds daryush ferguson is probably the one i'm worried about in that regards actually even shane burgos edson barboza we've seen edson in some like close unanimous decision fights so i can totally see texas messing that one up for us um hyro Ga- sorry D- gyro hyro galvez i'm gonna go hyro just why not silent j it up Finally, still saving up my five bucks for Fightful Select. Save up your money, man. We need it. Yes. FightfulSelect.com, one-two punch every Friday. And all the great pro wrestling content from Sean and Alex Pulowski and all the others. Antoine, my friends do the same thing with pro wrestling and MMA, but I enjoy talking about it. Yes. Yes. It's good. The more people get into this, the better. Uh, after It's just after working for like 50 hours a week. You're like, yeah, I could use a break. But it's all sure. love. Um, okay. Are there any other big winners you would like to highlight? Actually, I, no, no, I have one, and then I'll throw it to you if you have anyone left. Uh, there's this clip going around, and this will tie nicely into the losers as well, of uh, Tony Ferguson and Benil Dariush, who I've said this once, I'll say it every single time he comes up, the nicest guy in this entire sport. I can, maybe it's like some ethnic Is pride. Is Dar- Dariush you're saying? Dariush, yeah. Okay. Just the nicest guy, bro. Him and I talked when I had gotten a puppy, and he was like giving me tips on like kennel training my dog. He is, he is just oh, the wow. nicest guy. In fact, when he finishes his career, regardless of what you think about um, taking religion to, and spirituality to other countries, uh, I, he says when he retires, he wants to do missionary work in third, third world countries. I know that that's coming from just like the nicest place in his heart. Um, Benil's fantastic. And there's a scene circulating from the pre-fight press conference where Tony Ferguson claims that he's going to uh, slam Benil Daryush like he did Ferguson's own student and break, and he broke his student's rib. And Benil's just sitting there and he goes, why would you do that to your own student, man? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of a dick move. I'm like, leave it to Benil to, to be threatened with like a rib-breaking slam and reply, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> Why, that's Why would bloody. you do that to your own student? Yeah, most people are like, yeah, you're not going to do that to me. Go ahead and try. And he's like, come on, man. Be nicer to the people you're training yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, so I thought, I don't know what people think about Benil in terms, because I, I, he didn't seem, I wouldn't say uncomfortable in the press conference setting, but he doesn't talk trash. He's, he's such a nice, reserved guy. He likes to let his actions do the talking in the cage. I don't know that that was the perfect environment for him, but he just seemed to just not really care about it, which I'm totally cool with. Kind of like a Jan Blachowicz kind of vibe. 
Yeah, yeah, and and I like I like people who just stay true to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if that's the guy that he is, then I'm glad that that's how he acts. You and know what I mean? I I talk. Well, the uh, interview will come out next week. I talked to Valerie Lareda about this because obviously, um, she is someone who just has a remarkably strong online presence between her Instagram and her TikTok, and I think she has some sort of like OnlyFans ish like paywall as well for additional content. And I was like, and a lot of what she talked about is like this isn't because i asked her i'm like i think people sort of disrespect the amount of work that goes into that branch of your business like there are people whose full-time jobs it is to get up social media pop in the way yours is and she said i don't really look at it that way because my fighting and my social media are just extensions of who i am i'm i'm a fighter in the cage and i'm very confident outside the cage and that's just who i am and this is what i like to do i love to dance and i love to uh, look good and do these photo shoots like it's just who i am and so i asked him like what's the lesson there then because i think people a lot of fighters i've i've I've, I've had interviews with these fighters who are like you know what i left the ufc or i feel like i'm floundering in the ufc because i'm supposed to be like conor mcgregor and i don't want to be like conor mcgregor and the thing valerie and i were talking about is I think there's something from pro wrestling that can really be carried over here, which is you don't need to pretend to be someone else. You just have to figure out how to be an amplified version of yourself, right? Those are the best pro wrestling characters. They're extensions of the real people. And there are a lot of MMA fighters who I think think they have to be 100% true to who they are or 100% go the other way and just put on this persona. But there's a middle ground there where you can find out who am I and how can I market that? Maybe some some personalities have higher ceilings than others but there are ways to market who you are yes i think that's 100 percent correct it's the classic dial it up to 11 in wrestling that they always talk about that and because even like conor mcgregor that's he's definitely doing a pro wrestling act and he takes a lot of elements from rick flair and others from the past um but i do think that is him turn up to 11 too i mean he but he that's him turn up to like 20 though um but i think that i I think you're totally right about that I, i like I like guys like Matt Brown, who like when he was on the ultimate fighter, he just like kept to himself and people thought he was a weirdo. And he's like, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win a contest. Like, you know, like I, I like people who keep it real and they're not being disrespectful. They're just being themselves. And yeah, I got no problem with that. I, I, I think that's a, a I'm, I totally agree with you about that. Are there any other winners you'd like to highlight before we get on to the losers? Uh, that's a little off topic. And I don't know if it was this week or not, but I'll throw out there. I mean, Jake Paul, gigantic win stealing Floyd Mayweather's hat. Gigantic win. <laughs> I mean, that was the funniest thing I've seen all year. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, he he sold the fight. It's going to happen. If, if Floyd mops the floor with Logan Paul, as he should, I'm, I'm, I think we're going to get that fight. Um, I agree. Although I, I would, it's weird though, because Jake Paul is a lot more cerebral about this than Logan Paul is. And I think it means a lot more to him. While he's drumming up interest, I don't think Jake Paul wants that fight. Jake Paul's uh, gonna, he's talked about like, hey, I'm not going to go fight Daniel Cormier in MMA because where I'm at as a pro boxer and where he's at as an MMA fighter, we should, in theory, be equal in the boxing ring. It wouldn't be fair in the MMA ring. So I just can't imagine Jake Paul would then turn around and say, I'm going to risk my O here against Floyd Mayweather, who's one of the greatest of all time. The only reason I think that Floyd would be an exception is because of just the insane amount of money it would generate. Like, I think he'd be okay. Have a built-in excuse too. Exactly. It's like you're not supposed to win. Like, um, because I think that's I think that's very true for pretty much every other pro boxer, though. Because I have heard those interviews where he talks about that. 
because people are trying to nudge him towards fighting real boxers because it's like you have uh like you clearly have some sort of athleticism and sort some sort of skill for boxing but he doesn't want to really risk that against a guy that maybe the mainstream doesn't know very well versus going against a guy in the UFC who may not be training like Ben Askren was like the perfect example a guy who had very his striking isn't good but he had a good MMA pedigree so like it looked good on paper that he knocked him out but uh but yeah I think I think the bag that that Floyd would generate I think he'd do it but outside of that I, I I'm totally with you as well 100 percent um Okay, let's head on to the loser section. Quick reminder, guys, if you can, subscribe, tap the notification bell, leave a thumbs up on this video. That goes a long way. As there's a super chat donation, leave us a dollar, leave us a thousand. I've got my preference, but it's all good. Um, okay, so let's first go to Benil since we're already here. He just barely made way. He was over by about like a pound, I think, maybe a pound and a half, somewhere between 0.5 to 1.5. Uh, had to try a second time. You know, nakers with the box to cover his goody goods and he makes the weight but these things always raise the question i'd like to see a stat because i know the stats are often out there about like who wins fights when someone misses weight but i'd love to see the stats for who wins a fight when someone almost misses weight when someone has to try again or mm -hmm. take off their clothes because it now does raise the concern are we seeing for one reason or another a compromise vanil daryush Right. Yeah. And I sure hope not because it's a damn good fight. Such a good fight. Uh, yeah. And this is, I mean, this is the biggest fight of Darius's career as far as like name value and being, you know, co-main event on this big pay-per-view and stuff. So that's a good question. Though. I've never really thought about that before because a lot of people will talk about winner, winners and losers of people who actually miss weight, but like the people have to retry. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? That's a really good question, man. I never really thought about yeah, I'll, that. I'll ask TSN's Aaron Bronstetter. I'm sure he has that somewhere with his 400 million other obscure <laughs> and random stats. There you go. Uh, Tony Ferguson. <laughs> this ties in nicely. Joseph Oza says, is Tony marking himself or is he at a crossroads? Lost to Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. Tough opponents. Benil is on a six-fight winning streak. So Tony Ferguson, I think it's fair to say... I don't want to call him a shell of, him for, of his former self, but he's compromised, right? He's always taken damage. He took damage against Anthony Pettis. He took damage against Lando Venata, Kevin Lee. Like, Tony Ferguson was one of the best lightweights in a pocket of time, but it was still never easy for him at the upper level. And to me, the Habib-Tony fight, while it was interesting for historical purposes, I never had a doubt in my mind that Habib would win that fight because if Kevin Lee was able to do to him what, Tony, what he did... Remember, he mounted him in the first round. He almost yeah. finished him, and they got caught in a triangle. Let me tell you, Khabib's not getting caught in that triangle. Not that easily. And when he gets you down, he is not going to let you squirm the way that Kevin Lee did. So that was never interesting to me. And even when he beat Anthony Pettis, especially now looking at Anthony Pettis' career trajectory since, it's like, that fight was way too close. That fight was way too close for as long as it lasted. I think the division is really caught up to to Tony and in a lot of cases sort of past him at this point. Yeah, I, this this fight this weekend is going to be incredibly pivotal for what the future of his career looks like because, you know, granted the losses are to Oliveira and to Gaethje, but I mean, the Gaethje fight was pretty back and forth, but Gaethje definitively, definitively finished him. And then Oliveira, like that was a one-sided ass beating as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that was, that wasn't even competitive. And Ferguson's got to know that coming into this though, right? Like, I mean, he's, you don't want to be on a three fight losing streak in the UFC, no matter who you are. Um, 
Ferguson has had a rocky relationship with the UFC management for years on that and off. Dana White privilege line was phenomenal, though. I don't know if you've seen it circling. I missed it. No. Uh, yeah, he was uh, claiming that Michael Chandler had Dana White privilege. Uh, oh, that's booking, hilarious. And, and everyone has been adopting that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how I missed that, but that's yes, that's that's a probably good vomiting one. all day, Stephen. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Oh, if it was today, then yes, that's why I missed it. Um. um yeah, I do want to really quickly, something you said, and maybe I was thinking maybe I'm, I have some revisionist history here, but I want to look at the scorecards from Ferguson Gaethje because while Ferguson had that moment where he, he dropped Gaethje right at the end of the second round, they both threw uppercuts, Ferguson landed first. The scorecards prior to the knockout or the TKO, it was 49-44, 49-45, and 50-44 for Justin Gaethje. Very one-sided. So it was not... As competitive as, and I, I know, I know why you're saying that. It, there was a, who knows, had that last second round lasted 10, 15 seconds longer, we had Gaethje on the floor. But um, yeah, dude, Ferguson's taken a ton of damage. Benil's wild enough. This this is a fantastic matchup. Can we just go yes. back to the win, win for one second? Ferguson and Daryush, both ace submission guys, who both have wild, unorthodox, powerful strikes. And they both get hit. Like, the one thing, God, because I, I love Benil, the one thing I need that man to shore up is his striking defense because him and Drak are close, just bludgeoned each other. Even the Scott Holtzman fight, like, while he was doubling up hot sauce on strikes, Scott's a powerful dude, and I did not love how Benil just had his hands down by his waist the whole time. I'm interested to see where this goes. And really, I don't know what it's going to mean for the winner because either way i'm not confident that they're not going to hurt themselves fighting a justin gaethje or michael chandler just because their styles are so chaotic at this point yes and, you know i actually got to see Darius live in nashville against michael johnson this was years ago but i remember that was the first time like i really remember watching him and being like oh wow this guy's really damn good like i didn't really know much about this guy but this guy is good he was throwing like flying knees and stuff like it was but they, he does leave himself open, though, like you're saying. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting because the winner of this fight will definitely still be in that mix. Mm -hmm. But I don't see either of them. Now, I don't know for Dariush. Potentially, like, if he goes out here and just, like, starches Ferguson, uh, he might be a, a real contender. Yeah. Um, so, but but in, in this division in particular, as you know, it's, really like, tough. especially with all the name value there which is it's always it's just hard to break through sometimes in into that kind of group because there's, there's all those quote-unquote money fights and uh, big names and stuff um yeah tony's still coming coming up. like i i think he's always been unhinged but man have the last few years seemed sort of hyper accelerated in that sense and i hope he's doing okay but honestly for me these press conferences aren't you know when, when he was yelling like tiramisu time motherfucker to have you that was funny but it's like we're not Diego Sanchez territory, not close, but the more Tony talks, the more I'm just like, hey, if you're, if you're just kind of out there, we, we all are in our own little ways. Um, that's totally cool. I just, I just hope day to day you're doing well, because sometimes I get a little concerned when I see that sort of chaotic energy. Yeah. Well, sometimes he kind of rambles about like it's kind of strange. Like I remember the time he was comparing himself to being like a Ninja Turtle and stuff. And like, it was really funny, but everyone was kind of confused. And then he was talking about wanting to like go into pro baseball and stuff. And it's like, you really think you're going to like make the MLB like now? Like what? MJ <laughs> um, couldn't so, do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Tim Tebow couldn't do it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm with you. 
Um, <laughs> since it's popping up in the chat, I do want to highlight a loser as well. Uh, and this is actually a guy who, at times, I can be a very big fan of, and that's Colby Covington. People are saying how Colby Covington is someone who just adopted a totally fake gimmick and, and ran with it. I don't agree with that assessment. Um, Colby Covington, like Jake Paul, is an intentional troll. Right. And yeah, in that case, to some degree, you're fabricating it. You're doing it on purpose to get on people's nerves. But I have a hard time believing, and if this is the way you lean politically, so be it. But when you're uh, tying yourself in so much with Trump and MAGA, when you're saying, at worst, clearly racist, at best, racist, agen- uh, racist adjacent things about Brazilians, about uh, Kamaru Usman and his tribe in Nigeria. That's not a gimmick, because even if you don't believe it, the fact that you're saying it means you're not cut from the same moral fiber that I feel like other people are. So is it, are elements of that purely a gimmick? Yes, but are parts of that extensions of who Colby Covington is? I believe so, because even if he's very nice and formal and he wouldn't be mean to you in a day-to-day setting... You don't get to say that Kamaru should go back to his tribe, not a tribe. He's not saying there are tribes in Nigeria. He's saying Kamaru's tribe and say, oh, it was just part of the gimmick because you shouldn't be saying that to begin with. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Like, I am a fan of what Colby's doing because, like, it is so pro wrestling what he's doing. It's a clear pro wrestling type gimmick. But I am with you 100% where, like, there is also a line of, like, you're saying certain things were like, I, I totally see what you're saying. Like, cause for him to say some of the stuff that he says, like he has to believe it to some degree. Otherwise, like it wouldn't even be going into his head or, or he definitely wouldn't be saying it. Um, I had this sorry. argument on uh well, I wasn't much of an argument cause I stopped posting after like two comments. Uh, there's just a lot of, anytime you bring up Colby Covington and um, so that the rhetoric he uses, you, man, so many closeted racist people are just outing themselves because they're so quick to get offended. I said something that I thought was very moderate. I said, I'm a really big fan of certain parts of Colby Covington's gimmick, and I think he is too smart to have to lean so heavily on the anti-Brazilian, anti-African mega stuff. When he is pinning movie spoilers as his main tweet on twitter (laughs) that is fucking hilarious when he's spoiling the new star wars movie or the new avengers movie that is awesome when he is walking out to kurt angle's theme song you suck you suck you suck that is awesome and i made the point that for me for me i wish he would lean more into the troll stuff and less into the racist or racist adjacent stuff because i believe he's smart enough to not have to go for such low-hanging fruit and boy did i get wrecked and thumbed down by a bunch of closeted racist people on reddit because i don't think that's um that's not out of line that's not that's not a wild perspective that's not that's not radical to say hey you know what i love it when you mess with people i just think you're good enough to do it without talking about their religion or their ethnicity or whatever it may be but just out of curiosity, like, what did you think about, like, Chael Sonnen with, like, his fights with Anderson and how you him talking about, like, the Brazilian kids playing in the mud and, like, all that kind of stuff he was and saying? It's not for me. And that's uh, people were yeah. saying that, too. It's like, oh, well, you didn't complain when Chael did. I'm like, you don't know that. Right. No, I'm, I'm not accusing you. Either. No, no, I'm just, no. I'm just curious. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I do think Chael's is a little less 
direct. Like it was just, I don't think it was quite, it didn't cut quite as raw as when Colby does it. Cause I think with Chael, there's a degree of ver- the verbiage isn't quite as, I don't think like intentionally disrespectful, yeah. but he's also not like rallying for Trump and stuff. Like there's going to yeah. be like, there's that a political respect. component that Chael is definitely lacking, but no, I'm not, if you're like, Hey, did you like it when Chael was talking about Brazilian people? I'm like, no, not really. Sure. When he was yeah. talking, and it, granted, it's a little homophobic, but no, it is homophobic. But the idea of like, oh, uh, you and the Nogueira brothers are, you know, playing jujitsu in the bedroom. Again, not thrilled with the homophobia there, but just the idea that like, oh, you're not actually fighting. You guys are being intimate and lovey-dovey in the bedroom. Like, creative, can be funny. But yeah, like, I, I don't want to see any group of people attacked. Like, Chael also is smart enough to lay into Anderson without being super racist or homophobic. Right. Well, because you even have, like, I think it was Nate talking about Connor, talking about, like, him being out playing touch butt in the park with his friends. Funny. I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny. funny. I mean, like, there was a homophobic, like, undertones, I guess, to it. But, like, I, I under, I, I'm... I'm also really good about separating like what I think is actually supposed to mm-hmm. be like trash talk to build a fight yeah. and what is like actually attacking somebody. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think I um, think Colby veers. Yeah, I'll go like Colby, Chael, Nate in the pecking <laughs> order of who's actually intentionally trying to hurt people. I think it would have been brilliant, by the way, if if after Biden was elected, I think Colby should have flipped. I think he should have went all in on on Biden and made his gimmick that he just supports the president. And I think that that would have been super interesting to see how people reacted to that. Oh, but he didn't do that ter- terribly. But but I think I think there would have been a smart mark audience that really yes. fell for him at that point. Um, yeah, I so. think it would have generated even more heat. People yeah. would have hated him even more because he was like on Dude, both sides. But that's the thing. It's like that's what he's trying to get people to do. Well, so. Luke Thomas has said this too. It's like what what happens when Trump loses? Colby, what's your gimmick now? Because right. you've you've so heavily tied yourself into this MAGA thing, and the MAGA thing, there will still be a market for it, but it's going to die down a lot. And it has, yeah. it already has. So for yeah, sure. interesting stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, let's move on because we're running low on time here. Sorry for my rants. UFC 262. Let's do a quick preview here. Uh, last reminder, guys: subscribe, notification bell, thumbs up, all that good stuff. Let me take a look at the fight card real quick. Um. Outside of the obvious, so let's just say outside the main co-main, what's your favorite fight on this card? It's got to be Shane Burgos and Edson Barbosa. Also, um, Michael Chandler's favorite fight on the card. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, I think Burgos is a really good fighter, and um, I think Barbosa, man, I wish he would have made this move to flyweight like three years ago. I think he could be a real, he could have been a real, real contender, I think, at flyweight, um, and he still could be potentially, but... What I like so much about Barbosa is even if he's completely outmatched, like, like skill set wise, he always has that chance of like hitting you with that Terry Adams spin kick or like kicking you so hard in the leg that you can't continue. Like he's always dangerous, even if he's outmatched. Um, so I, I just like that matchup a lot. Yeah. Agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, that has to be the one. I, I really like the top three cards in this fight man if they had kept nate leon that would have really just been icing on the cake i think that would have been one of the more boring fights on the main card actually but just having nate diaz in there adds a whole new element i like that they just push it to ufc 263 i think that could still use it but for me nate on this card made more sense just because 
you have Israel Adesanya, you have that bravado and that trash talk and that charisma. I think that's the only thing this card is kind of missing, is that sort of Nate Diaz rebellious presence. Main event, it's going to be fireworks on a supremely high-level fight. The co-main, that just can't be boring. Like, I'm so glad some of my friends who don't watch a lot of fights are watching this one, because that main card is just going to be absolutely insane. I love it. I agree with you. I think Shane versus Edson is the clear winner. I think I think Shane Burgos is going to be the one who makes this fight exciting. But if no one can really lay it on the other, I imagine there's going to be a little bit of point fighting. I, I just see it as like Edson getting outpointed until he kicks someone somewhere. Right. <laughs> and then exactly. we see it kind of like Danny Egan. And then do we see if Shane can work through it? Right. Yes. And another good example would be uh, when Burgos fought Dan Hooker. And yeah. he was just kicking him in this in this body over and over. And Hooker is tough as hell for surviving that. But that like was torture. Yeah, nobody uh Barbosa's probably still got the best kicks in all of MMA as far as I'm concerned. As far as like just always being dangerous. So yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that fight. Last thing, who gets the next UFC lightweight title shot? Is it gonna be the winner of Connor Dustin? I mean, it should be. I think like if, like rankings wise and popularity wise, skill, especially if it's Dustin. Um, but even Connor, to be honest, like I know a lot of people don't think Connor's like that good, or maybe he was overhyped. Like I've always been a big fan of his as a fighter. Um, I just I just accept that he isn't the most well rounded guy, but I think he. I think the activity know, also hurts him a lot. Yeah, I think you're you're right about that for sure. Especially when he talks about wanting to fight like three, four times a year, then it's usually like once in the you know. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think if things play out the way that they should, I think the winner of Dustin and Connor should fight the winner of Chandler and Oliveira. Yeah. I think that makes a whole ton of sense. It'd be the perfect way to sort of wrap around the detours we've had to take. I think, and this is just me thinking out loud. I'm not at all a fight analyst. Um, I think Connor's worst quality as a fighter is his ability to make in fight adjustments. Yeah, It feels like when something is exposed, that target's just there the whole time. He's really good. And this is why I think... I I was picking Dustin for uh, our last fight, the second match in the series. I actually feel more... I, I'm probably still leading Dustin, but I, have, I think Connor's got a better shot coming up than he did the last time out. Because Connor is, is good at making those adjustments between fights. Right? right, we saw how he bounced back from the first to second Nate Diaz fight. I think he's good at that, but I think when something gets exposed mid-fight, he's almost incapable of really shoring it up. I, yeah, I think you're right on the money with that, and it has been cool to kind of see some of these clips of Connor training. You can see that he's like real light on his front foot, and he's like he's he is making that adjustment from the last fight, just like you said. Um, I'm probably going to take Connor in the trilogy, even though like because connor was doing really well in round I think one. People, he won round yeah one. yeah round people one. seem to forget that and um and i'm a huge justin fan by the way it's not like i'm one of these like connor fanboys that just blindly picks him all the time like i'm a huge justin poirier fan um but uh but yeah i, th- I think the but uh, to be completely honest i think charles Oliveira beats all these guys wow. i'm just being dead on I, i'm I, i'm that high on Oliveira right now i really am okay i'm interested to see I'm interested to see what happens with Michael Chandler. Um, I think it'll answer a lot of questions for me because this is one of those things too. It's not the MMA math for me as someone who just has a very naive eye to the actual technical, you know, 
uh, what's what I'm looking for, like minute details. I just think to myself, Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson, I'm hesitant to say that those are the guys who Charles needs to be to prove these legit. I think for me, Michael Chandler's the guy. If he beats Michael Chandler, and I'm I, and it goes the other way too. I'm not sure. convinced. Dan Dan Hooker is a, is a top guy, but um and and stylistically is very important how you match up against him. Like Dustin's kind of a volume guy, and I think Dan is too, and I think that's why you get that 25 minute fight. This is the fight that's going to tell me which one of these guys is really really legit. I just can't take enough out of the Dan Hooker fight for Chandler or the Tony Ferguson Kevin Lee fights for Oliveira. So I'm interested. I'm super interested. What what are we doing with Justin Gaethje? He's number two in the division. Everyone else in the top six is matched up. As is Benil Dariush. Um, is he just wait? Do you think he just waits for something? Rafael dos Anjos is at number seven. Is the closest guy in the division to him that's not booked right now. Yeah, I just pulled up the rankings as well just to see if there's anything that I might see there that maybe like, the loser of Dustin Connor. Yeah, or the loser of this main event, maybe. Because because I could I, I really want to see uh Chandler and oh, Gagey fight each other. Oh Jesus. Um, so I'm down for that, to be honest. Like if, if especially like if Chandler loses, then I would say him and Gagey because then like it makes sense for Gagey and that way the winner of Connor and Dustin can get the title shot. Mm-hmm. Um but um by the way, I'm not counting Michael Chandler out. I know I've been very pro um Charles Oliveira on this That's show, okay. but like I think it's totally possible that Michael Chandler knocks out Charles Oliveira. Like, I think it's totally possible. Um, I just think Oliveira has more ways to win, personally. So that that's kind of why I lean the way I lean. But hey, listen, after the I conversations mean, we've had today, we need a white guy who's pro-Brazilian. So he <laughs> can be that champion that man, MMA needs. There you go. I mean, some of my favorite fighters, man, like Newher Prokhorst, my favorite heavyweight ever. You know, I mean... Uh, he's white. I, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's always white, but he's Croatian. That's a little different, right? Um, but um, but no, I definitely don't have any bias towards like, you know, nationality or no, I mean no, Jan Blahovic. I have been on the Jan Blahovic train for like three years now and he's finally like the man, you know. He keeps Once listing again, white guys. White Okay, hey, hey, okay. Um I love Kamar Usman. There okay, there you go. Well, I think he's great. He's, I think Kamar Usman is making a strong case to potentially be better than GSP at Walterweight. Like he's he's making that case. So. Yeah, no, don't worry. This is this is a losing battle. I'm just I'm just dragging it to no, now. And no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, Steven Jensen is far removed from the Colby Covingtons <laughs> and Jail Sonnens of the world. Yeah. All right, that is our show for today. I'm so sorry to end on that note. No, it's cool. I'm um, just a pro. I'm just a pro wrestling fan, so I'm just used to the outlandish. Just... Oh man. <laughs> so as I've sort of been reading, bruh. So a lot of the publications picked up my Oscar interview that I did for Easy Candid the headline that we ran with was her experiences with racism. God, pro wrestling fans are sick. The comments were just a war of people saying, well, Asians are also racist. I'm like, is that really when Oscar says, why are we hating each other? People are people. Is that really what you want to go with here? Pro wrestling fans. I don't know if pro wrestling fans or MMA fans are worse, but they're worse in different ways. Like pro wrestling fans, the worst ones insist on just taking a really radical stance on everything it's either wwe all the way or aw all the way it's either asians are racist or black people are racist it's just the most messed up it's just it's the most useless 
immature, like, bottom-feeding stances I've ever seen. Whereas MMA fans, the worst ones, they just don't care about the fighters at all. They're like, I say jump, you say how high. That That is how yeah. I've evaluated the difference between these two sick groups of fans. Yes, yeah, very, very sick cesspools of, of, of fan bases, for sure. But um, you know who are I do my... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You know who are Sorry, you go first, you go first. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I was just going to kind of echo what you were saying. Like, I, I kind of stay, I do my thing, and then, like, I kind of stay away from, like, wrestling Twitter because I just know that that's just, I don't even want to see what everyone's outraged about every day, yeah. you know? Fair enough. <laughs> um, as someone is knocking on my window. Sorry, totally killed my train of thought here. But you know who's great? Our fans. So thank you to everyone over at Fightful MMA today for checking this out. Subscribe to Fightful Select. Steven... Where can people find you? You can find me at Fightful Select as well. Um, you can listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. I record that every Sunday, mainly talking independent pro wrestling and pretty much everything that's like non-WWE. Um, and yeah, I do my uh, my audio-only show, the Fight Talk podcast. Uh, that's available on all major platforms. Episode 300 was recently, and I interviewed uh, independent wrestler Cabana Man Dan, who's the champion of New South out of Alabama. Really good guy, good conversation. And everything else I do is like on YouTube and stuff. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's fight talk underscore. I just keep everything updated there. And uh, thanks once again, Shaq, for having me on today, man. I, I, I apologize that I couldn't be at my 100% best due to the due to illness today. But I, uh, I'm glad I was able to join you. No, and uh, hey, you made it all the way through. Well, I got 10 seconds left, but thus far <laughs> you've made it all the way through without the puke bucket. So I'm happy to hear that. I Guys. Yeah, show, show it off. Show no, it I don't want to show it. I don't want to show it. Guys, subscribe, tap the notification, but leave a thumbs up on this video. Thank you so much for being here as always. I got a jet, so time for that terrible outro of mine. Stay tuned for everything Fightful and so delightful. Peace out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.